Welcome to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small, your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Brought to you by LakeLink, your online fishing resource at lake-link.com. Outdoors Radio is also brought to you by Huntworth Gear, performance camo wear at a price you can afford, huntworthgear.com. And by Professional Hearing Care, LLC of Mauston, La Crosse, Westby, and Fitchburg, profhearingcare.com. I'm Dan Small, and got a little head cold this week, folks, but as the saying goes, the show must go on. Today we'll find out what's happening at the Range of Richfield in December and talk to two book authors. Al Cornell is going to tell us about his new book, A Year at a Beaver Pond, and Jim Bishop reveals why it took him 25 years to write his first novel, Orton. All that and more coming up on Outdoors Radio, so stay right there. It's time now for Madison Outdoors, and you hear this feature every week at this time on WTSO 1070 The Game, and anytime at all on our podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, Lakelink, iHeartRadio, OutdoorNews.com, and other platforms as well. And joining us once again in person this time is Pat Hasberg. He's the proprietor of DNS Bait Tackle and Fly Shop on Northport Drive in Madison, and you can find him on the web at dsbait.com. And be sure to check out his weekly fishing report on his Facebook page, DS Bait Tackle and Fly Shop. Pat, welcome back, and thanks for joining us. Hey, no problem, Dan. Always a pleasure, and it's good to be back. Looks like we're making ice over there. We do have ice up on Cherokee Marsh here. It's always the first place to freeze over, and, you know, there's a lot of folks like to push it as far as safety goes. Yesterday, there were guys out there on an inch, maybe just oh, a little bit more of ice. Oh, my goodness, they, yeah. They would, said every step you'd take, it would crack under your feet, and you'd walk up to your hole, and water would come up through your hole, but mm-hmm. guys were out there doing it, and they were getting fish. But we had another cold night last night, and it's going to be cold again tonight, so I wouldn't be surprised if by tomorrow we have maybe three inches up there. That's the range I'm comfortable with starting at. So, yeah, that's yeah, enough. it's exciting. That's enough to walk on. I used to uh, go out on snowshoes, and some people would take old skis to walk out because that spreads oh, your sure. weight out, you know. And I knew some guys who would... Take a sheet of plywood and push it ahead of them and walk on it. People are crazy wow. about getting out on early ice. It's maybe a little bit too much for, for my courage level, I guess. Speaking of that, there is, a, I believe, a thin line between courage and stupidity, yeah. too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's, it's each their own. And the good news is the Cherokee is shallow enough that if you go through, you might get wet up to your belly button or something. But it's always good to get out and Knock the rust off the auger and try to get some fish. Yeah, and you have ice fishing supplies if people need new tackle and new gear, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're fully stocked. We've got everything up now and just waiting for more ice and uh, more people come through the door. Well, that thin line between courage and stupidity is what the Darwin Awards are all about, and we don't want to be one of those winners. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Now, before we get into what you think the fishing will be like, because it's got to be changing now, how was your two weeks off? What did you do? Did you go deer hunting? Spent a lot of time in the woods. I, I bow hunt, so I spent that week before gun season out in the woods. And then, of course, I, I hunted gun. I do that with my brother. And we spent a lot of time uh, just north of Richmond Center, and it was, of course, wonderful to be out. The deer weren't really cooperating for us as much, but it was an enjoyable time to be out in the woods. Yeah, well, they didn't cooperate for me either, but I'm hoping to get in some muzzleloader and late bow action this weekend and uh, maybe a day or two next week. And I noticed on your Facebook page that you and uh, one of your employees, Harley, got into some cohos over on the Lake Michigan side in the Tribs. 
it's a bit of a tradition we sort of started here um, where we take uh, when we're off for the break you know Harley fishes a lot and I fish a lot but we if, he, if I'm out fishing he's here at the shop so uh, with the shops closed we take the opportunity to get over there and yeah we chase some coho out on the tributaries along Lake Michigan there and yeah we had had a great day it was uh, beautiful weather found some fish and it's just a great time to be out and those fish are just so impressive to see swimming around uh, doing their spawning activities and just a great opportunity to go out and do some fishing. Yeah, they certainly are impressive. And the cohos really developed that beak that they call a kipe on the males. Were they all males that you caught? You you had two photos, two males. Yep, we had two males, but we saw some hens in there too. I think Harley got a hen. We didn't, we didn't post that one, but anyway, it was a nice mix of fish. We did see some browns swimming around too, no steelheads. Although Harley earlier in the week had been over there, and he, he had a steelhead on. Just a lot of fun. It certainly is. And you got them on flies. Yep, we were both tossing streamers. The nice thing about those cohos, especially the males, they get very territorial. And if you swing a fly in front of their face and, and sort of strip it, once you get them to kind of turn their head and look at it, you strip it, they'll chase it down. Uh, Harley, I don't know if you saw in the post that, that uh, male that he caught, he actually got that on a topwater fly. So uh-huh. You don't hear about salmon hitting topwater flies very often, but we were in some very shallow, small water, and he, he said that he had seen them chase streamers very close to the surface, so he thought, I'm going to try a, 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 a gurgler, the topwater fly that he was using. came right up and planned it. That was actually, he had a few strikes on that fly, so that was very interesting. I'd never even heard of people using topwater for salmon, so it was really a cool experience. Alaskan fishermen do occasionally, and it's always the silvers, the cohos, that they talk about. In fact, if you go there, gosh, it's been a decade since I've been up there, but you can buy these flies that look like a mini hammerhead shark. You know, it uh, maybe that's the description of what you had there, what Harley was using. And they're pink or purple. They're god-awful looking things, but they hit them. They, they, they like those for some reason. Yeah, his was a big foam fly with a bright pink tail on it. Yeah, I was super surprised. But he's a he's a really talented fly fisherman, so it's a, it's great to get out and learn from other people and try different techniques. For yeah. Sure. All right. Well, let's talk about the Madison chain now. You got ice on Cherokee, but I would imagine the bigger lakes are a ways away from icing over. Yeah, the bigger water is still open, but folks are still casting for walleyes in some of the areas around Monona Terrace and John Nolan Drive, Kenny Breakwall. The University shoreline's been really hot this this fall, so the walleye bite around town's been great. And of course, you know, you got muskies out there too, where uh, people are still chasing them around. As long as there's open water, people will be fishing, I promise you that. Yeah. Any panfish action? The only panfish action has been up on Cherokee that I've heard about. Of course, we've been gone for two weeks. and yeah. uh, You know, a lot of people, when it gets cold, they're the panfish anglers. I'm not saying they're not as hardy as some of the other anglers, but maybe it's not worth freezing your hands off for catching a few bluegills. They'd rather go chase walleyes or something. Yeah, well, and they wait for ice, and, and that makes sense, too, because once you locate panfish under the ice, um, at least for bluegills and crappies, you can usually target them and catch a few, you know unlike some of the other species that you have to move around for. Yep, exactly. What do things look like? What's your forecast? Let me ask you that. I guess it just depends on what the weather does. If we have cold weather, we're going to have some great ice. If we don't, it's going to be a little bit slower as far as reports go around the shop here, but it looks like the ice up on Cherokee is going to stay for a while. There's a couple of days it gets in the low 40s, but at night, down in the 20s, so I bet that ice stays up there for quite a while, and you know, we just need a couple more colder nights and, and get some of the other area waters locked up here. 
yeah, okay. Well, let's talk about your seminar series. We're recording this early in the week, and some people may hear it before your seminar on Thursday night. So your first one is Thursday the 30th, and tell us about that and then about the other two. Well, I'm really excited about all of our seminars, but the first one that we're kicking things off with is Rick Kruger. Uh, he posts on Lakelink and other places as RK Diver. And so Rick is a very well-known scuba diver here in Madison. And I think he said he started scuba diving in 1991. So he's been doing it a very long time. And what he does is he goes around the Madison chain and, and uses sonar equipment to find interesting things that he sees on the bottom. And, and he'll go down and check them out with his scuba gear. He's found old cars, sunken boats. I don't know if you've heard about some of those ancient canoes that they found oh, out yeah. here. Oh, yeah. uh, recently on Lake Mendota, he, he had a hand in that, and so he's very knowledgeable about the Madison chain. In fact, he has, I think he told me, 1,875 waypoints just in Dane County alone that he, of places that he's dived on. And so it's, it's going to be a very, and he has photos, and, and it's going to be a great presentation. Um, so really, really looking forward to that, because while it's not necessarily directly fishing related, it, it has to do with what's under the water and if you're like me especially sitting on the ice you got a lot a lot of time to think about stuff if the fish aren't biting yeah it's real fascinating some of the stuff that he's found down there so we're really excited about that cool and then you got two more coming up in december that's right we do these every thursday at 7 p.m here at the shop and at december 7th we have noah humfeld coming in he's a very popular local guide besides being a, a great fisherman he is also very knowledgeable and very entertaining he's always a, a popular speaker here at the shop he's going to be talking about toothy critters on the madison chain so walleye and pike and then on december 14th we have pat westberg he was an early adopter of plastics and has been using plastics for a very long time and, and is really regarded as kind of a, a local plastics guru uh, he has connections with a bunch of local plastics producers and so he's going to be going over different tactics on using plastics for panfish. It seems like it takes a bit of a push or a nudge for people to get into plastics. And so I think this will be a really valuable seminar for folks that do want to learn more about using plastics for panfish. For sure. And before we let you go, store hours? We are open 6 to 6 every day, except Sunday we close at 5. So open at 6 every morning. All right. Well, Pat, thanks so much. Hope you get a lot of business and especially turnout for your seminars, and we'll talk to you again soon. It's always a pleasure, Dan, and, uh, yeah, good luck out there. Thank you. Pat Hasberg with the Madison Report. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. If you're ever in a motor vehicle accident, call Hupie and Abraham, named best personal injury law firm by the Wisconsin Law Journal year after year. The firm of Hupie and Abraham has collected more than a billion dollars for its clients. In fact, they collect millions of dollars every month for hundreds of satisfied clients. Call the firm voted best and rated best, Hupie and Abraham, 800-800-5678, or visit com. And all 11 offices of Hupie and Abraham in Wisconsin, Iowa, and Illinois are open for business. Well, joining me once again from Wisconsin Rapids, Jeff Kelm. Well, Jeff, deer season is now into muzzleloader. The nine day is over. How has it been so far? So far, just the two deer I saw on opening morning, and that's been it. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it's been tough. It's been tough. Oh, no. Well, I think a lot of it has to do is there's still a, a bunch of deer around, but, you know, they're doing different things right now. They're, 
uh, you've got a lot of acorns out there. You've got uh, drier swamps out there. It was warm during the season. And, uh, I've spent a good time, uh, hunting both public and private land, uh, over the course of the majority of the, the nine day gun deer season and now a good portion of the muzzleloader season as well. And it just, um, you know, hasn't been a, a wildly successful year, but I know there's still deer out there. I think you're right. I definitely know that there are plenty of deer up north where we hunted opening weekend. My son has been muzzleloader hunting and he, uh, said he shot over the top of one the other day and I'm heading up for a couple days of that, uh, to wrap up this weekend. And we still have hopes of getting a couple deer. We did get three the first weekend, but preliminary figures show the harvest was down quite a bit, 17.5% statewide. Up north, it was something like 30%. But some of those factors you and I have talked about, a lot of acorns, no snow, too warm for hunters to get out of their stands and move around. And when we're all sitting there and the deer are sitting there with full bellies, um, nobody sees anybody. And it may be more complicated than that, but it may be just something simple like that. Well, I think so too, Dan. And, you know, people hunt differently than they did years ago. Um, mm. you know, whether they be deer drives or lack of deer drives or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I think, you know, I think people maybe aren't, uh, as good a hunters as they used to be. Uh, I think there's a lot of things, a lot of factors out there. And I don't know that you could take all the numbers from this year, the last number of years and compare them side by side because each and every single year is different and you're going to deal with different aspects um, uh, throughout the course of these seasons. It does. And I know that um, it's real early to predict, but my guess is that we will see a boost in deer harvest next year because this happened a couple of years ago where the harvest was low. I think it was 2019 or 20. And then the next year, more deer because fewer does were shot. And we may just see that next year. But gosh, we're going to end up with somewhere around 300,000 total. That is gun and bow combined, maybe under it this year. And that's still pretty darn good. It puts us right up in the top 10 nationwide, I think. Yeah, there's, again, there's still a lot of deer out there. People just have to find different ways of, of getting to them or hunting them, put it, uh, put some time and effort in. And, you know, I'm, I'm not done trying, um, spend some time, um, you know, still muzzleloader hunting. We're going to do the antlerless hunt and see how that goes. And, um, we'll do it both on public and private, you know? Yeah. But, uh, I think, I think as long as people are putting the time out there and get a chance to get out on that, you know, late bow hunt, things like that, the numbers will come up, um, especially as we get the more um, desirable uh, forecasts and maybe even a little bit of snow to to help uh, see deer, track deer, uh, drag deer out. All of that makes that uh, just that much easier once once we get a little bit of snow. And who knows, things may may change from there. Yep, you're right. Well, folks, we are not going to solve that problem or question um, right here, but that's our take on deer season this year, and we are looking forward to a few more days of hunting. And, of course, the bow season goes on uh, for another month or so. So there's a lot of opportunity out there. 
The good news out of this year's deer season, there were only three shooting incidents that I saw reported. That's remarkable. And they were things that shouldn't have happened, once again. I mean, no incident like that should happen, but one guy shot himself, one guy shot a person thinking he was shooting at a deer, uh, one person walking the dog, and I think the third one was during a drive, and you know, those are three of the most common ways that people end up getting hurt with firearms. Yeah, and and none of it should actually happen at all because you know we all should know the rules and things like that. But uh, mm. the uh, the the incident that happened down in Adams with the person walking the dog, you know, that was just just south of me, and um, that shouldn't have happened either. Yeah, but uh, you know, if you're out walking, even you know, you've got all rights to go out walk. But at this time of year, I, I would highly recommend wearing blaze orange and be safe about it. Uh, uh, I don't want to see accidents happen, but that's that's how they do if people are going out unprepared. Absolutely, and put an orange vest on that dog and problem solved. Well, let's look ahead here to this week's show. We've got author Al Cornell who's going to talk about his new book, A Year at a Beaver Pond, and another author, a friend of mine, Jim Bishop, tells us how he wrote his first novel and why it took him 25 years to complete, believe it or not. And Jim Bobbyash, the president of the Ranger Richfield, is going to tell us what's coming up for the month of December. Lots of specials and events. All that and more straight ahead on Outdoors Radio. Florence County Forestry and Parks is happy to announce their new online registration system for access to our Lake Emily and West Bass Lake campgrounds, pavilions, boat launch yearly passes, and information on the Kai's Peak Ski Lodge. FlorenceCountyParks.com is the site. It is currently live for you to see how it functions, and you can set up your account sign-in for when you're ready to reserve sites starting on January 1st, 2024. So check out FlorenceCountyParks.com and get ready for 2024. Have more success on the ice with the LiveScope Plus Ice Fishing Bundle LI from Garmin. Drill fewer holes, catch more fish. This portable live sonar bundle comes with the LiveScope Plus system, EchoMap UHD 93SV display, and a lithium battery. All packaged in a case making hole hopping a breeze. LiveScope Plus helps you find more fish with improved resolution, reduced noise, clearer images, and better target separation. Fill your freezer with fillets with help from Garmin. Visit Garmin.com or shop your local Garmin dealer today. Since our inception, Huntworth has worked relentlessly to incorporate innovative technologies and forward-thinking design into affordable camouflage apparel. Our gear, designed with the Disruption Camo Pattern, utilizes computer-generated graphics featuring a high level of random and abstract visual noise to help you remain undetected in the environment. So whether you need the latest in hunting gear technology or clothing that just simply fits your lifestyle, Huntworth Gear is what you're looking for. HuntworthGear.com. That's HuntworthGear.com. It's the new Wisconsin Ice Fishing Expo, December 8th through 10th, Sunnyview Expo Center, Oshkosh. Deals on ice gear from giant manufacturers and brands not found in stores. Seminars from Larry Smith, Tom Boley, and many more. Kids Zone, Trout Pond, Santa, and free giveaways all three days, plus awesome food trucks. The family will love the Wisconsin Ice Fishing Expo. Kids 12 and under are free and free parking. Go to icefishexpo.com for info. Sponsored by Wisconsin Outdoor News, Ion, Eskimo, Ice Team, Acme, and Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Thanks for joining us on Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. 
The Range of Richfield is your ultimate shooting experience. They're located on Helson Drive, just north of the Richfield Cabela's store, where highways 41 and 45 split, and on the web at therangewi.com. And joining us again for our monthly conversation about what's going on at the range is Range of Richfield President Jim Bobbyash. Jim, welcome back, and thanks for joining us again. Hello, Dan. It's great to be back, and I, I hope you and your family had a great Thanksgiving. Yes, we did, and I stopped to see you the other day on my way to and from the Milwaukee area and had a brief visit, and I didn't tell you at the time, but I came up to your door, and I thought, oh, which door do I open? The one on the left said Range of Richfield. The one on the right said Liberty Safes of Richfield, and it was obviously the same building. Sure. You know, that's something that we needed to do when we decided to open up the safe business. Uh, unfortunately, Facebook doesn't really like guns, so we were pretty much banned from doing any Facebook advertising for the safe company just because it was in the same building as the range. So what we did was we set up a new company and we just changed the address. So instead of 3026A, which is the range, we set up 3026B, which is the Richfield Safe Company. And that seemed to solve our problem with Facebook and everything has gone well since then. Perfect. Well, that makes good sense. And, uh, there are always workarounds, and it's good to know that you can do that. Yep, you're absolutely right. Well, how was November? We're right in the middle of that busy holiday season. November was great. We had a, a, a lot of uh, great things going on here. Our Black Friday event was spectacular. That's all I can tell you. We had almost 200 people come through the store. Um, it was it was it was just outstanding. I was so pleased to see everybody again. It was great. Well, good. And how about December? What have you got in store? Well, let's talk about classes first. We don't have a lot of classes scheduled in December because of the, the holiday, um, but we will be ramping that back up right after the New Year's. So we'll have our uh, Wisconsin Conceal Carry course on December uh, 10th and December 26th. Uh, our first shot class is December 6th. And this is a great class to experience the fun of the shooting sports world. It's a great introduction to shooting. Uh, another real popular class is our NRA Basic Pistol class. And that'll be offered on December 16th and 17th. So, you know, if you're interested, uh, give us a call to check out our uh, Facebook page, check out our website, and uh, there will be more classes coming up in uh, 2024. All right. Well, you have matches, too, with the IDPA, the International Defensive Pistol Association. I believe that's what it is. Very good. I was glad you didn't ask me that because I didn't know. <laughs> Yes, it's been unbelievable. They have a maximum of 40 folks that come in and shoot one of these matches, and it's once a month. And every time they do it, they have more than enough people. There's over 40 people. So it's been great. There's one left in December 9th, and if you'd be interested in joining us, or just coming in and watching, see what it's about. It's, it's really fascinating. It's something a little bit different, and I'll tell you something. These 40 or 50 or 60 guys that come in, they just absolutely love it. It's amazing. Well, great. And you've got leagues starting up in January, too, don't you? Yes. Uh, mark your calendars. Uh, men's Pistol, Bullseye, and Small Bore Leagues will be starting up again in, in January. These things have turned out to be very, very popular. So if you have an interest, you know, stay tuned for more information that will be coming out in the next few weeks that will tell you the dates and times. It's like standing room only. It's, it's just amazing. I can't believe the folks that are really enjoying this. Well, you've got a great facility, and when you offer an opportunity to shoot in leagues or just for fun, uh, people will take advantage of that. I, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. It really does. 
know, we, we've been really blessed. It has been great. And, you know, it just brings more people in the store. And that's what we're looking for. And for people who've never been to the range, if you just read the comments on the homepage of their website, it's amazing what people who've only been there once or twice think of it, and they come back. Yeah, they do. I mean, it's amazing. We've been here 10 years, and I still have people come up to me and say, thank you. And I go, thank me for what? Thank you for doing this. Mm. It's our first time here or our second time here, but we're so glad you're here, and thanks a bunch. It just warms my heart, my goodness, you know, to have people say something after all this time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mentioned the Liberty Safe sign on your door. Is yes. this a good time to buy a safe? Oh, my goodness, this is the best time to buy a Liberty Safe. Liberty just announced that all safes on the Liberty website or in-store will be 12% off from December 1st until January 1st. I have never seen them offer this kind of a promotion before. It's been great. We have a great selection of safes here in the store. But again, if you don't have the color or one you like, all you have to do is go online. And again, it's the same online or in the store. I will hand, if you order one and you live in the area here, we'll get the order and we will take care of you. That's my pledge to you. Safes are important to me and I want to make sure that people enjoy it and we get the right safe for them. All right. And if people want one, is there a chance to get one before Christmas or not? Yes. Again, if we have the right one in stock, we have probably, I'm guessing about 50 or 60 safes in stock right now, 20 in the showroom and about 40 in the warehouse. So we can, and we just need the delivery people to get it over to your house as quick as we can. All right. Any other specials? Yes. Super Saturday is the Saturday before Christmas. With Christmas Eve being on a Sunday, we will be celebrating Super Friday and Saturday, so December 22nd and 23rd. For two days only, we will be offering some super specials on many popular items. For example, buy a gun and get a free range gold card, and that's good for $100 worth of range time. Wow. Yep. All in-stock holsters and next belts are 25% off. Magazines, 25% off. Concealed carry purses. These are kind of worn out by now, isn't it, Dan? It's time to get a new one? New purse? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it was a good time to do it because they're 25% off. And uh, don't forget about our gift cards. They're a great option for those who have everything but are difficult to buy for. We'll also be giving 10% off new or renewal memberships when paid in full. And also the Benchmade knives, which are real popular, 25% off that. And if you do decide to purchase a gift card, you buy a $100 gift card, and we'll give you a $10 gift card as a special bonus. Be sure to stop in that Friday and Saturday before Christmas to take advantage of these great deals. Fantastic. Well, I imagine you're closed Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, right? We are. We used to be open on Christmas Eve until like about 3 o'clock, but right now it's so hard to find help. Yeah. We just don't have enough, so we figure it's just best if we close both of those days and spend a little more time with the family. Well, good for you. So we're celebrating our 10th anniversary. We did that already this year, and we are committed to make the range of Richfield your ultimate shooting experience. All right. Well, Jim, thank you so much for this report, and I wish you and your family and your staff and all your customers and guests there a very happy holiday season, and we'll talk to you right around the first of the year. That sounds great. And, and so from all of us here at the range, we'd like to thank all of our members, guests, and friends for a great year, great 10 years, and wish them a very Merry Christmas and a healthy and happy New Year to all. All right. Well, Jim, take care, and we will talk soon. Sounds good, Dan. Thank you.
Jim Bobby Ash is the president of the Range of Richfield. They are located on Helson Drive, just north of the Richfield Cabela store, where highways 41 and 45 divide. You can find them on the web as well at therangewi.com. I'm Dan Small. More Outdoors Radio right after this. Listen to more Outdoors Radio online at dansmalloutdoors.com. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Thanks for joining us on Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. Joining me now from West Lima, Wisconsin, is Al Cornell. He's a retired DNR wildlife technician and a freelance writer and photographer. You've probably seen his work in Wisconsin Outdoor News and other publications, and he has a new book due out this month called A Year at a Beaver Pond, Observations from One Little Dynamic Ecosystem. Al, thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to the Outdoors Radio Network. Well, you and I are almost neighbors. You're in West Lima, which for folks who have no clue where that place is, it's kind of between Lafarge and Hillsboro. It's in the Driftless area, and that's the key thing. This book, I've seen samples. It's due out any day now. 140 pages with 135 color photos and some remarkable photos based on those I saw. It's been a long project and a fun project. The fun part was sitting by the water and taking pictures for sure. Now, how did you get those photos? Sally and I were driving down Highway D, a mile south of our place, a year ago last April. We saw a bald eagle flying over, and all of a sudden it went into a stoop, and it started coming toward this beaver pond that we had just noticed there after the snow had flattened the vegetation. And just as it was getting to there, a wood duck just went tearing out to safety down the stream. It kind of was a spark of, hey, I need to be there taking some pictures. Uh-huh. So I set up a little pop-up blind, a uh, feed-in type thing, and, and spent somewhere between 400 and 450 hours there over the next about 13 months. Is this pond on Bear Creek or one of the branches? It's on Basswood Creek, actually. It starts from just a little ways just down the hill from West Lima and goes Bloom City, Rock Bridge, and then to the Pine River. Oh, it goes that way. All right. You organized this book by the month, which is reminiscent of Aldo Leopold's A Sand County Almanac, but you don't start in January. You started in May, actually. Why? Well, that was the time of year we discovered the place and, and got going, so I just took off from there. I visited the pond twice in April of 22 and didn't really have a project in mind at all, and then things started picking up, and so I got pretty good stuff from May and, and uh, just followed through. So I, I did it in the sequence that I actually visited the pond. Were you thinking of Leopold's book when you did this? Not really, no. His book is such a marvel for outdoor people. It certainly is, and I guess some people would call it required reading for conservationists because he talks about the interaction of different animals and at different seasons, and you really do that too. The one chapter that I read in depth, the April chapter, there's a lot going on. Of course, the spring is happening, and that's when a lot happens in nature. But you really chronicled that through that whole month. It was really interesting to see that. 
Yeah, it was just fun from the standpoint of the unexpected. There were things that, that really surprised me. Who would think that twice I saw interactions with wood ducks and mink, and both times the wood ducks were chasing the mink. And you had a couple of goose pairs that squabbled at least over territory there. Yeah, I associate beaver ponds and wood ducks. You know, there's so much connectivity there. I just was thrilled when my first brood showed up on June 30th, and then I had the surprise of having a late brood, which was probably a re-nest situation that showed up on the 12th of July. There was that constant thing with the wood ducks, and it ended with two senescent wood duck hens. Old wood duck hens, and this is true in a lot of birds that have distinction between the males and the females, the old females drop off in their estrogen, and they start showing more of the male feathers. And so here was this thing comes swimming around here, and it's got a female wood duck head, but the body is much more like a, a male duck. And then she, the next time I was there, she was joined by another one. And in the thousands of wood ducks I'd, I'd dealt with in banding and whatever else, I'd never seen a senescent one before. So that was one of the big surprises. I had never heard of that, actually, so that's news to me. Um, how old would a wood duck in that kind of plumage be, do you think? You know, I, I don't really know, but certainly uh, not very many of them lived as 10 years old. I wouldn't know if they'd be much older than that or whatever. One of the other amazing things was the the otter that just eluded me. I didn't see him very many times, but he would just come sneaking up through the vegetation on the dam and, and dive into the water and he'd be gone, and, and I couldn't get any pictures. And then finally one day in April, middle of April, he just came in and did a great show for me and gave me the pictures that I wanted. So I was really happy to get those. Did he know you were there, do you think? He popped up about 30 feet in front of me, and I took a picture, and as soon as that first picture was taken, he focused on the uh, blind, but then he stayed around for 45 minutes fishing and carrying on there in the pond. And that was a treat. Yeah, I've seen them occasionally, almost always when kayaking or canoeing, sometimes when duck hunting, sometimes when just going down a river. It's always a treat when you do, and sometimes you see a family of them, you know, three or four yeah. or more together. I did have three show up then once after that, but they didn't give me near the photos that the one did one time there. What kind of a blind did you use? It's just uh, one of those little ones with the seat in it, the real small blind. How did you not be seen by the animals besides being in the blind? It was pretty obvious, and I know that scared off some things. After the vegetation grew up a little more, then it was in there out of sight pretty good. But for the start with, it looked like a sore thumb there, but many of them were, were pretty used to it. That eagle that we saw, Stoop, he never did come while I was in the blind. I think maybe the eagles were, you know, a little wary of it. But I, I did have a great blue heron sitting 20 feet from me. There was a little willow that for some reason the beaver hadn't chomped off. And that was the place where I just got a lot of things, a lot of little birds that were coming in, warblers and other little birds. So that worked out really good for me. And the other, another thing that worked out really good was that the beavers quit repairing the dam and there was like a drawdown, well, starting July and August of last year. And I wondered, what are they doing? But then they plugged her back up and filled her back up by the 1st of September. But I had that mud flat, and that was a great place for taking pictures. So there's just so many things that came together for the picture taking. And one of your chapters talks about beaver ponds and trout, and that's a controversial topic among nature lovers and trout fishermen and, uh, and other people, I suppose, conservationists. What's your take on the relationship between the two? 
Well, it probably varies quite a bit depending on where you're at in the state because you get up in the northeastern part of the state and there was a 20-year study and the, and the guy that did that study said at the start of it that beavers are ruining our trout habitat. So he had that mindset and he did a 20-year study to prove it and that was kind of the blanket for Wisconsin. But you get in the Appalachians and the Rocky Mountains where you got a little more gradient and we're kind of like that here in the Driftless area and uh, there was a lot of studies that showed a, a real positive relationship. And so Matthew Mitro, cold water biologist for the, the DNR, is doing an eight-year study, and I think he's probably about in the fifth year of that study. The one thing that really fascinated me was these guys were tagging trout below the dam, and then they were ending up in the pond. And how in the world does a trout get over a beaver dam? You know, it's not like a salmon swimming upstream and jumping six-foot falls, but you can't jump those, those beaver ponds. And it was at that point that I began to read and find out that, yeah, water washes out some holes through the dam, and frequently there's holes underneath the dam. And those trout are such strong swimmers that they can come upstream through that, and so they can move upstream through, through the beaver ponds. And the ponds themselves, the pond water is deeper, and they get good protection from most of the things that are out there trying to catch trout to eat. So. He said that uh, there's more trout biomass, but fewer trout where you got the beaver pond, and that some of his fishermen actually look for streams that have beaver ponds on them because they know they got a better chance of catching bigger trout. Yeah, that's the legend that I've always followed. If you find a beaver pond, especially a new one, you'll find bigger brook trout or and brown trout if there are browns in there too. Animals move. I mean, we know that. You know that probably better than I do, that when they need to or, or want to, they can get someplace, uh, regardless of whether we have a fence or a beaver has put up a dam. Well, how can folks get a copy of your book? It's going to be out very soon, and uh, will Amazon and Barnes & Noble be carrying it as well? Yeah, they should have it by the first of next year. And also, the publisher, Book Baby, they have copies of it. And the reason I like that one is because uh, I get a lot better royalty from them than I do from Amazon. Those are sources, and then early on here, I've got copies of it that I sell to anybody that contacts me. And folks can reach you through Facebook. Your name, Al Cornell, one L on L, and Cornell with two Ls. They should be able to find you there. Right. Well, Al, thanks so much. It's a, a fascinating book. As I mentioned, I, I've enjoyed the parts I've read, and I will be reviewing it in the Outdoor News. In fact, that issue should be out by the time people hear this, and hope you get some sales out of that. And uh, I can't wait to see uh, a copy of the finished book. I, I think it's going to be a fascinating read. Thank you. Thank you, too, Dan. I appreciate you having me on the show. You bet. Al Cornell is a retired wildlife technician with the Wisconsin DNR, and his new book, A Year at a Beaver Pond, will be available on his Facebook page, Al Cornell, or on BookBaby. That's bookbaby.com. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. Are you putting off treating your hearing loss for you or a loved one because you can't afford it? Hi, I'm Dr. Laura Venipal from Professional Hearing Care, and I'm telling you that you couldn't be further away from the truth. I believe that everyone should have access to hearing health care and improve cognitive health, and that's why we offer our affordable treatment plan. Our team is dedicated to taking the stigma and cost of hearing loss out of the picture. For a free consultation, call 608 608- Two nine two four nine one six, or visit our website at www.profhearingcare.com. 
Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. Here's a message from our friends at Remy Battery in Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. We at Remy Battery Company want to thank all of our customers and friends we have made over the past 90-plus years and your continued support of our local, family-owned company. Stop in and see the expertise of over nine decades of battery knowledge and customer service. Let us take care of the batteries for all of your needs, from power tools to sump pumps and ATVs to hunting decoys, even down to the smallest hearing aids, big and small, We have them all. Stop in for a free battery and electrical check before you hit the road, trails, or waters. Don't forget to ask your sales representatives about volume pricing. Call Remy at 414-384-0340 or visit online at remybattery.com for all your battery and battery accessory needs. Get ready now for 2024 with the official Outdoor News Sportsman's Calendar. Whether it's hunting, fishing, or finding your local sports show, this collectible calendar has it all. Stay ahead with moon phases, peak fish and wildlife activity times, and more, all surrounded by original images from the nation's top wildlife artists. Now available in multiple states, including Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, and Illinois, all the way to New York. Supplies are limited, so get yours today at OutdoorNews.com. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Thanks for joining us on Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. Joining me now from Spooner, Wisconsin, is Jim Bishop. Jim is a retired public affairs manager with the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources and a freelance outdoor writer with credits in a number of magazines and newspapers, and he's a fellow member of the Wisconsin Outdoor Communicators Association. I usually see him at our meetings every summer. And he's the author of a novel called Orton. Well, Jim, thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to the Outdoors Radio Network. Oh, thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. Well, we'll get to your book in a minute or so, but first, how was your deer season? It was a little slow. Out of our camp of about 16 guys, we only got one buck, and that was a little six-pointer. Wow. Now, you hunt somewhere up north, right? Yeah, we hunt in uh, Oneida County, and we've got quite a few acres of land over there. But I think the main thing about this deer season was it was a very mild season as far as hunting. You could stay in your stand pretty much all day. Uh, generally, we did. Uh, we found that the deer only moved on essentially on two days, and that was on opening day when we saw a deer, and on Wednesday we saw a deer. Other than that, there was nothing. Nothing was moving. Uh-huh. Well, as you say, the mild weather keeps us in our stands and keeps us from getting out and walking back to the truck and moving deer for other hunters. So that was our experience, yeah. too. We we actually got three opening weekend at our place uh, up in Bayfield County, but after Sunday, nothing moved. No. That was pretty quiet out there. Well, enough about the deer season. People will be talking about that for months to come, I think, before next year. But anyway, 
You've been a writer all your professional life, but Orton is your first novel. And why did you write that? I wrote it for an older friend of mine who I met through the DNR. His wife was the governor's northern representative out of Hayward. And we would get together at various functions, and we would talk. And I found out that he loved westerns. Went over his house one time for dinner, and he had a room just chuck full of western books. I think he'd read every single western ever written. Uh-huh. And his name was Jim Orton. And Jim came down with cancer. He went into surgery, and I was just beside myself. I, I didn't know what to do. So I decided to write Jim into his own western novel. And I wrote the piece. I gave it to his wife, and she read it to him when Jim came out of cancer surgery. And she said, you just wouldn't believe what it did for him. I mean, it just made his whole day. And she turned to me and she said, someday you've got to promise me that you're going to finish that novel. <laughs> well, that was, <laughs> that was like 25 years ago. Oh, my. Yeah, and I finally got to it. One of the reasons, I didn't write hardly at all after I got out of the DNR. And when I was with the DNR, I wrote about three news releases a week and wrote for the Natural Resources magazine and yeah. such. But then I didn't write anything for quite a while. Then I joined a writer's club out of Solon Springs, and you literally have to write a piece every week, and that's what got me going. And I thought, well, I've already got to start on a book, and I've got to fulfill my promise to Piggy Orton. Jim passed away about a year after the surgery. I, I decided I wanted to fulfill my promise, and, uh, and I did. It took me about a year and a half, two years, found some editors, found a publisher, and, and finally got the book published. Yeah, and it's an interesting story. I read it. I reviewed it in Wisconsin Outdoor News, and in fact, all seven states of Outdoor News publications will run my review, so a lot of people will come across that, I hope. It's an interesting story. We don't want to give the whole plot away, but how did you come up with that plot? Uh, it's rather interesting. I would sit down and start writing, and things just came to me out of the blue right out of the blue, and I would write uh, about 15, 2,000 words on a Monday afternoon and then go to the writer's club and I would read it and they would critique it. And then on Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday, I would start thinking about another part of the book and all of a sudden, out of the blue again, the plots and the characters just came to me. And I would sit down, uh, again, on Monday and write it all out, and it would just be there. Hmm. Sometimes I think old Jim was with me, kind of prodding me along a little bit and giving me ideas. I <laughs> I really don't know. So it was sort of Mondays with Orton, huh? Mondays with Orton, yeah. Well, actually, it was the whole week with Orton. You kind of play with these things in your subconscious, and the subconscious all of a sudden just springs them out at you when, when you need them. Now, do you read Western novels yourself, or mysteries? No, I don't. As a rule, I have read McMurtry and Zane Grey mm -hmm. and a number of them in the past. Lonesome Dove comes to mind. Oh, yeah. And I, I very much enjoy them, but I, I read a lot of different books. Well, it's a fascinating story. Now, Jim, of course, never got to hear the rest of the story. Uh, how about Peggy? I'm with the Military Honor Guard in Spooner. We do military funerals. And I ran into a, one of our brand new members was a fellow mailman with Jim out of Hayward. Hmm. And I, I mentioned to him that I, I was looking for Peggy Orton and Peggy's sons. I think they had two sons. 
and the sons were still living in Hayward. So I went into Hayward, and I met up with one of the sons and brought in several of the books and told them the story. And, of course, you know, the two of us got kind of teary-eyed talking about Jim. Then he gave me Peggy's number, and I called her. She, she remarried and is living in Indiana. And I got a nice a nice chat with her, and she was <laughs> very much appreciative of my effort. And what did she think of the story? She very much enjoyed it. She just couldn't believe that something that she'd mentioned like 25 years ago all of a sudden came to fruition. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of books take a while to write, but 25 years is a long time. <laughs> and uh, there was a hiatus there where you weren't writing. Let's not give the whole story away, but can you summarize the plot, how this book goes down? Yeah, well, it starts out in Hayward, and then it transitions over to Montana, to where a young man is growing up, and some of the trials and tribulations that he runs into, and finally he, he has to make a decision about his life, and one of the decisions is pretty tragic, and then he's got to get away from Montana, so he tries to get over east and get away from the law and the thing that he'd done. And he winds up in Hayward, Wisconsin, with this thing that he can't get out of his head, and yet he meets this beautiful young woman, and they fall in love. And eventually his brother catches up with him, demanding retribution, and I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah, I think that's enough of a summary. And, you know, I read a number of novels that are mysteries and that have plot twists near the end, and... Boy, you've got a bunch of them in here. We won't reveal what they are, but it's surprising right to the very end. Although there are hints, you know, you're a good writer in that you drop kind of foreshadowing hints of what's to come. But yeah. it's, it's a great story. And as I said in my review, a heartwarming story, even though, as you mentioned, there are tragic events in this story. But this young man uh, makes a great life for himself and his family in Hayward, Wisconsin. Are you writing any more books now? Yeah, I started on another book right after I got done with Orton. Because, of course, again, we have to write something every week for the Writers Club. So I started on kind of a science fiction type of thing. And it deals with two guys. One guy is an old French trapper. And then there's a modern guy. Both of them get caught in a time warp on an island in northern Minnesota. And in the middle of the wintertime. They can't get out of it. They can't escape from the island, and, and time virtually just stands still for them and how they have to deal with absolutely nothing. The, because they're in this time where they don't go old, they don't have to have food, they just exist, and they don't even know why they're there. I don't want to give any more away than that. It's kind of a fun read, and I just picked up another idea. I read a chapter to my group yesterday morning, and, I, and one of the critiques that I got gave me a whole new vision of another chapter that I want to write for it, about how they deal with the transition after they find a way to get out of this time warp and get back to their family. Sounds like another fascinating story. And the Writers Club, yeah. the Writers Club is beneficial then. You're still doing it. Oh, yeah. I credit the Writers Club with my ability to keep on writing because, like I said, they critique whatever you write and they give you feedback and then I go back and I rewrite it and it's a, it's a much better product based on that. Fantastic. Well, Jim, we're going to let you go, but where can folks get a copy of Orton? 
they can find it on Amazon under uh, Orton, a novel by Jim Bishop, or they can find it at the Northwoods Book and Fiber in Hooner, Wisconsin. All right. Folks, if you're interested in finding out what happened to Orton in this story and how it developed, we've talked about some of the highlights, but we haven't given away any secrets here. Check it out on Amazon, Orton, a novel by Jim Bishop. Jim, thanks so much, and good luck with the next book, and we'll look forward to reading that one. Okay, appreciate it, Dan. I am writing a sequel now, because people want to find out more about the characters, what happened to them. So right after I get done with this, my current book, I'm going to write a sequel to Orton. That will be coming out in about two years from now. All right, we'll keep in touch, and we'll follow up. Okay, sounds good, Dan. Jim Bishop, author of Orton, a novel. You can find it on Amazon or at Northwoods Book and Fiber in Spooner. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. Get ready now for 2024 with the official Outdoor News Sportsman's Calendar. Whether it's hunting, fishing, or finding your local sports show, this collectible calendar has it all. Stay ahead with moon phases, peak fish and wildlife activity times, and more, all surrounded by original images from the nation's top wildlife artists. Now available in multiple states, including Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, and Illinois, all the way to New York. Supplies are limited, so get yours today at OutdoorNews.com. Are you putting off treating your hearing loss for you or a loved one because you can't afford it? Hi, I'm Dr. Laura Venipole from Professional Hearing Care, and I'm telling you that you couldn't be further away from the truth. I believe that everyone should have access to hearing health care and improve cognitive health, and that's why we offer our affordable treatment plan. Our team is dedicated to taking the stigma and cost of hearing loss out of the picture. For a free consultation, call 608 292-4916 or visit our website at www.profhearingcare.com. It's the new Wisconsin Ice Fishing Expo, December 8th through 10th, Sunnyview Expo Center, Oshkosh. Deals on ice gear from giant manufacturers and brands not found in stores. Seminars from Larry Smith, Tom Boley, and many more. Kid Zone, Trout Pond, Santa, and free giveaways all three days, plus awesome food trucks. The family will love the Wisconsin Ice Fishing Expo. Kids 12 and under are free and free parking. Go to icefishexpo.com for info. Sponsored by Wisconsin Outdoor News, Ion, Eskimo, Ice Team, Acme, and Wi-Fi. Since our inception, Huntworth has worked relentlessly to incorporate innovative technologies and forward-thinking design into affordable camouflage apparel. Our gear, designed with the disruption camo pattern, utilizes computer-generated graphics featuring a high level of random and abstract visual noise to help you remain undetected in the environment. So whether you need the latest in hunting gear technology or clothing that just simply fits your lifestyle, Huntworth Gear is what you're looking for. HuntworthGear.com. That's HuntworthGear.com. Have more success on the ice with the LiveScope Plus Ice Fishing Bundle LI from Garmin. Drill fewer holes, catch more fish. 
This portable live sonar bundle comes with the LiveScope Plus system, Echomap UHD 93SV display, and a lithium battery. All packaged in a case making hole hopping a breeze. LiveScope Plus helps you find more fish with improved resolution, reduced noise, clearer images, and better target separation. Fill your freezer with fillets with help from Garmin. Visit Garmin.com or shop your local Garmin dealer today. Florence County Forestry and Parks is happy to announce their new online registration system for access to our Lake Emily and West Bass Lake campgrounds, pavilions, boat launch yearly passes, and information on the Kai's Peak Ski Lodge. FlorenceCountyParks.com is the site. It is currently live for you to see how it functions, and you can set up your account sign-in for when you're ready to reserve sites starting on January 1st, 2024. So check out FlorenceCountyParks.com and get ready for 2024. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Jeff Kelm. We're brought to you by Cedar Lake Sales on Highway 33 West in West Bend on the web at cedarlakesales.com. They have winterizing supplies in stock, and if you're short on time, they can do it for you as well. Check out their website for details. We're also brought to you by Huntworth Gear performance camel wear at a price you can afford huntworthgear.com and by professional hearing care llc of mauston lacrosse westby and fitchburg prof hearing care.com and if our tv show outdoor wisconsin is not airing where you happen to live you can watch past episodes at milwaukeepbs.org and this year's deer hunt wisconsin show along with Others from recent years, they're all archived on our Deer Hunt Wisconsin TV YouTube channel. And we've got our uh, radio show online. You can go to lake-link.com, go to the outdoor radio page, and you can um, download it there. You can also check out the outdoornews.com slash podcast. And then find Dan at Dan Small Outdoors on social media. Find me at Hardwater Jeff. Quick note, did you know you can harvest your own Christmas tree for free from certain state forests? I don't know, Jeff, if you... Uh, yeah, yeah, we've we've done it before. Yeah, cool. Well, you can't do it everywhere, and you'll need a permit, and there are some regs, so you can't just go out and cut one down. Visit the DNR website and type in the keywords forest products permit for details. And some county and uh, national forests also allow Christmas tree cutting, but you got to check those offices for details. Our theme music is by Warren Nelson. You can hear more of his tunes and look for updates on his performances at warrennelson.com. I'm Dan Small here with Jeff Kelmel. Jeff, good luck for the rest of this uh, muzzleloader season and the bow season, whatever you're going to do out there. Yeah, thanks. And we'll thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. And folks, get outside this weekend. Wear blaze orange if you're in the woods, and be sure to join us again next week for Outdoors Radio. When the cool night swallows the moose's nose And the heron is fishing on one cold leg When the loon cries lover in the blue north wind I'll be trolling home It's a little chilly on the gunnel When my lazy Ike is just too lazy to lure 
When the worms go dry In the coffee can, honey I'll be true 